There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. UCLA definitely um, is trending these days. And when I look at UCLA a couple of years ago, Lonzo Ball is a guy that um, is making was making moves then, came to the Lakers, and is now in New Orleans. Do you think that in the long run uh, the Lakers will regret uh, trading Lonzo Ball uh, away to the Pelicans? I would, I, I would say no. I would say no for this reason. They don't have to deal with LeVar. Hmm. Um, I, I think they're 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 – Missing Lonzo's talent. Lonzo is a is a really good point guard. You know, he's a really good talent. Everybody makes a big deal about his shot, but what he brings to the table is not his shot. What he brings to the table is playmaking, passing, defending, rebounding from a guard point of view. He can do so many other things, and everybody want to talk about his shooting form. You know, it's, it's like in, even when he had time to shoot the ball, he made it. But it, it, as everybody knows, in the NBA, you don't have time. So, you know, being able to rush that shot and it's coming across his face, now it's not as effective as, say, it was at UCLA because he was nailing that shot at UCLA. But he had time because of his playmaking skills and so many other threats on the floor. Now he has time to shoot. But but the NBA is different, and and uh, he's gonna have to figure that part out. But he does so much other stuff. If he wasn't traded and he was able to play under Jason Kidd, how much do you think Jason Kidd, assistant coach for the Los Angeles Lakers, would have uh, benefited Lonzo's development? As oh, player? he was he he would have given him everything that he needed. He would have equipped him with everything because Jay Kidd, you know, great point guard in his own right, Hall of Famer. Um, he sees things. You know, way like if you was to watch how fast he moved up the court, he still was seeing things quicker than everybody else. You know, he would make moves, and you're like, how the hell he make that move mm-hmm. moving that fast? You know, it's just he sees things forming before it happens. You know, I'll never forget the the only time I really got banged on like that, something nasty in the league was it was Jason Kidd coming at me full speed. <laughs> 
And then what did he do? He dropped it behind his legs, and here comes Antonio McDice. Wow. You know, so I'm uh, he set me up. You know, but it's like <clears throat> the things that he, he did with the basketball, he could have definitely transfer that over to Lonzo. Because if you think about Lonzo with the basketball, most of his career, he was fast with the ball like J. Kidd. That's why he drew J. Kidd comparisons, because he was tall and he was fast with the ball, and he can pass. And both of, had the, both of them had the, you know, the, the non-shooting factor coming in. They both weren't really great shooters. So he could have been able to help him transfer his game to where J. Kidd was as a veteran. Talking to you is easy because I feel like interviewing you is like interviewing uh, Chucky Brown or Tim Thomas. Chucky because he's been <laughs> traded every daggone where, and Tim Thomas because he knew that he was a star before he was a star. Uh-huh. Um, Both former talk- teammates. <laughs> they, 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 so when you talk about Jason Kidd, uh, a guy who was his teammate later in New Jersey with the Nets was Vince Carter, a guy you played with in Toronto. Right. Did you know he was special then? Who, Vince? Yes. Man, <laughs> the stuff I saw in practice, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, Vince was, was a special talent. It still is. At his age, to do the things that he's doing now, still in the league 22 years later, Vince was very blessed and lucky he didn't have any major injuries. He always took care of his body. Uh, he always added something to his game every year. The dude, he's just a freak of nature. There's half man, half amazing. The Air Canada, whatever 10,000 nicknames people gave him, he deserved all of them. I mean, I've never seen a dude that, and you know, everybody's like, well, Michael. No, he jumped higher than Michael. <laughs> he jumped higher than Michael. This dude had extremely long arms, six six, six six and a half can put his shoulder in the rim. That's how high he jumped. He might be able to put his his belly button in the rim is how, how <laughs> high he jumped. And, and, you know, the things that he was able to do when he hung up in the air. That dunk contest in 2000 was who we – I was at that dunk contest, the one up in Oakland. Yeah. That was special what he did. He shut it down quick. He shut it down quick. He he did everything everybody wanted wanted in a dunk contest. He shut it down. Uh, everybody was competing for second place. I, I knew that going in, but I mean, his in-game dunks, yeah, are are some of the most fierce dunks that you'll ever see. And you know, Mike and Dominique had some crazy in-game dunks, but the things that Vance did. Man, he climbed Mount Matumbo. He caught Lonzo Morning. It's like he caught every shot blocker that you wanted to see come over and block a dunk. He would catch him. He'll wait until they come down, just punch it on them. You were teammates with Del Curry uh, when yes. Vince was in Toronto as well. Yeah, yep. Del Curry shoot it. He shoot it. We saw those kids develop. We saw those kids. You know, when, when they were, shoot, nine, seven, seven and nine years old around that time? Mm-hmm. Kendall, go ahead. J.R. Reed told me that he used to travel with the team back in Charlotte. Uh, they used to put him in front of the team flight. 
uh, and he would sing Michael Jackson and would just entertain uh, the crowd. This was this was J.R.E. Uh, what did you see them in there? I feel like obviously his their dad, both of the kids, Seth and Steph, but their dad playing in the NBA was like a case study on how to operate as a professional. Uh, what did you see from them early on? I saw the love for the game early on, the love and the dedication. Um, when we were done with practice, Dale would stick around, and the kids would come in and work out right after practice, right after we were done. And you see Dale putting them through drills, and you just saw it then. Um, game days, you know, they would have two special seats um, behind our bench for, for them. And they would come and go throughout the game. And you see them disappear off the bench. And you wonder where they're going. They went upstairs to the practice facility, and they were shooting during the games. You know, my brother, Cameron Cameron Murray, for people who don't know, is my brother went to Louisville, played at USC for a couple of years. Globe Charter was in, had a couple of uh, tryouts and stuff with the league. But my brother was up there taking care of me at the time. I had an arthroscopic hip surgery. Mm-hmm. And he was working out afterwards in the gym. I would be on the bike trying to, you know, to do the exercises that I was told to do. Um, we would see those kids come in all the time, and not just after practice. But my brother would see them take off. He goes uh, after the game. He goes, "Did you see them take off again?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Man, they dedicated. They they always go up to the gym during the game and shoot." I mean, they're the only two kids in NBA history, probably, that got away with shooting balls on the basketball court during a, t- uh, a halftime or something like that. <laughs> I mean, security normally keep them off, but it's, it's it's Dale's kids, and Toronto is a it was a different town. You know, they would allow those two kids to go take shots. So they're shooting in front of, what, 20,000 people while we're in the locker room. So when you have that access, you have access to Vince Carter. Your dad was one of the greatest shooters to ever play. You have access to Antonio Davis, who was an all-star at the time, Charles Oakley, Muggsy Bogues. You have access to all these guys throughout the history of Dale Curry. You know, he, they can touch and, and get knowledge from. And Can you imagine Vince playing against Steph now and laugh about I remember when you were running around, you know, in the locker room. Now yeah. he's playing against them. It's, yeah. it's amazing to, to, to know their journey and to see where they are now. And, and just to think back and say, I'm not surprised because we saw it forming then. You played for the Lakers. Uh, yeah. Um, you also were an assistant with the Lakers in 2015. Yes. Um, it must have been a dream come true, You got, being from Pasadena, playing for the whole town team. It was a dream come true. It was a bittersweet experience um, as a player. Um, it was right after my arthroscopic hip surgery. Toronto let me go. I never wanted to leave Toronto. It was a special place to me. That's where I reestablished my career. Um, never wanted to leave them, um, but they were sending me home. So I was excited to come home and possibly play for another championship. Um, to be able to play with Shaq, you know, who was a good friend of mine since McDonald's All-American days. Uh, to play with Kobe. We, when Kobe, 
first came to L.A., he came to Venice Beach and played in the Venice Beach tournament. That's where the infamous broken wrist happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the same agent. You know, I told him he had nothing to prove, you know, to people out there. But Kobe loved the game. He wanted to play. You know, to to be able to team up with both of those guys and D. Fish was my neighbor and play with Rick and B. Shaw was one of my good friends since I was a kid, man. And I went on a, a visit to UC Santa Barbara and, and when B. Shaw was up there, UC Santa Barbara, you know, when I was taking one of my unofficial visits in high school, you know, to to be able to play with people you've been knowing it for such a long time and you have friendships and relationships with. Samaki Walker played, mm-hmm. you know, with my brother. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I know everybody, so I'm cool with everybody on the team. So I really enjoyed those guys on the court, off the court, you know, just the camaraderie with them, I enjoy. My role on the team or or the lack of communication with me or what my role was on the team, I didn't really care for. And that, and that's what, what, what bothered me um, with, with deal, my dealings with Phil. And I have respect for Phil. There, there's no personal beef there. I just didn't appreciate how he responded to me when I knew that he wasn't talking to me I knew I wasn't going to play at all I wasn't in the plans so instead of being an a-hole and pouting or anything I just let me have fun I'm at home I'm in front of my my family um let me be you know let me sit in the back with everybody and and, and start shooting jokes with each other on the, on the on the road trips and on the plane you know let me don't let me be a negative influence or, you know, or be a cancer because we have an opportunity to win a championship. So I took a different route with that. But I knew there was going to be some some drawback from the fans and people talking to him on the loading dock and questioning him about me. You know, it's like I was California State Player of the Year, UCLA All-American, all that stuff. I knew that it was not playing and, and – I knew that eventually he was going to ask me if I was putting people up to coming up to him. I don't have to. This was home for me. People are going to ask him, why isn't he playing me? You know, it's just, you know, it was one of those situations where I was coming to a championship team. You know, he could have said that to me. Look, I'm bringing you for insurance. You know, just be ready at all times. You know, be ready towards the end of the season when the playoffs start because that's, you know, I knew I was coming there off of an arthroscopic hip surgery. I knew I wasn't the same. I knew that I was getting stronger throughout the year to where I was going to peak at that time. I knew he didn't like rookies, but he was playing two rookies. So it's like I didn't. I was confused the whole year about about that situation with my role, and, and that that's that's the the part that was bitter. Uh, the sweet part was everything else, being home, sleeping in my bed, seeing my family, uh, being with the guys, you know, being part of that Laker organization, which I dreamed of playing for. And, of course, it was a blessing to come back and and get the experience of coaching with, with, with Byron Scott um, in the organization that I love and I grew up loving so much, you know, so um, – as I say again, man, it was, it was a bittersweet experience, but I, I, I enjoyed my time most of the time. Byron Scott 
described you as one of the purest shooters he's ever seen. Um, you got the hometown discount with that, him being a California uh, native as well. <laughs> I mean, you coach with Byron. He's a Lakers legend himself. Um, you sat on that bench um, during towards the end of his tenure as well as Kobe's tenure with the Lakers. I mean, what was that? What were those? What was that 2015 year like with Kobe and Byron? It was cool being on the other side, you know, as far as instead of playing with Kobe and I'm coaching Kobe, which was weird and it was funny. Um, But I think Kobe was also closer to the coaching staff because he was closer to our age than he was the young fella. So we got to, you know, be able to hang with Kobe a little bit more. He would hang with the coaching staff. Um, um, B, B had the right idea with what he was trying to teach the kids. The kids didn't want to learn basketball. They just wanted to – they weren't ready for L.A. You know what I mean? In L.A., it's a different type of focus. If you if you come into L.A., you can't you can't be running the streets and chasing the Kardashians and all of that stuff. You can, you're not gonna win. You know you're not gonna win. And and L.A. is about championships and is about winning. There's a lot of pressure around there, and those kids caught a lot of pressure. Their original plan was to develop those kids. There was there was supposed to be a, a, non, a no pressure situation. Just develop the kids, show some improvement, teach them how to win, develop their skills, and then it turned. All of a sudden, it turned into a we got to win, and there was no way we were going to win with that team. You know, they were they were young, inexperienced. They're all chasing a second contract. They got three years to do it. There was no way you were going to win with that team. You can't win with youth in the league. You can't. You need some veterans to guide them and to teach them. You need veteran coaches that's been there and done that to guide them and teach them. And, and most importantly, you need young players to buy into what's being taught. And, you know, at that at that time, and I'm sure D'Angelo's more mature now. You know, he's had a, you know, he's had a few wars in the league now to where, you know, he, he have a few years under his belt to where he – probably understood what was being taught then because he's now an all-star. He's excelling in in his role uh, with, with going to state right now because, you know, you know, he's, there's a shorthanded team. So he, he had the, you know, the opportunity to be the man up there. And, and, you know, unfortunately that everybody's hurt. I would have liked to see how he fitted in with everybody you know that would have been that was that's what the question was. How is Yanislo going to fit in with everybody in the way the system is up here with Curry having the ball in his hands all the time? So that question doesn't have to be answered at the moment. But the question that does have to be answered is: Are they going to keep him? You know, are they going to move him for something, some some pieces? Or are they going to you know what's really going to happen with that team when everybody comes back? That's that's the the question. So uh, I wish him a lot of luck. Um, but you look at it, another young player back then was Jordan Clarkson, and he he knew how to score, but he didn't really know how to play. So we're trying to teach him, hey, if you're going to have the ball in your hands all the time, you got to make plays for your teammates. You can't go score, snake the pick and roll and score all the time because you have the ball in your hands all the time. So 
you got to pick and choose when you go. He he didn't understand that, but he was trying to figure that out. You had a young Julius Randle who was trying to figure out his deal. You know, how, how, how does he be effective when you have two scoring point guards that don't really pass? How are you going – how do he get his? And he had to start going to get his from the boards. And when he did touch it, inside pivot and, and see what you can go with. And in the process, try to develop a jump shot. You know, then, you had you had Lou Williams, who was a veteran, and he, you know, he, Lou Lou was a veteran at the time. He wanted to play with vets. He don't want to play with young guys. You know, mm-hmm. he he tried to teach him, but you can't really teach. You know what I mean? You can't really teach. So, you know, you can't teach people that don't want to be taught. Uh, you had a, a veteran, Roy Hibbert. You know, who was used to getting the ball on the inside, and he wasn't getting the ball. And then when when Kobe was healthy enough to play, you had the farewell tour going on at the same time. So it was a lot going on that year. But the way that year ended, with Kobe scoring at 60 on the way out, it was it was definitely an emphatic statement left on his legacy with the way he finished. Mamba out, as he said at the end. <laughs> Scoopy ready on the line with Tracy Murray talking everything basketball. Um, you, you um, are a Cali, SoCal native, so you, you have the jurisdiction to speak on this. The Lakers and Clippers are competitive. Um, yes. Which team do you like better in the finals? Oh, man. It's hard to be a Laker and speak on this because, you know, it's like I, I love – the one-two punch with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I do love a couple of pieces they have. You know, McGee's playing well, Rondo. Um, Avery Bradley got injured, but Avery Bradley's a good piece to have. You know, he plays defense of Kuzma's back and all that. So the Lakers have a good solid, you know, seven, eight, you know, that they can, that they can go deep. The Clippers are deeper. The Clippers... They can go ten deep, and you know, with the addition of Paul George being back, you know, for that long layoff at the beginning, um, and then with the load management with, with Kawhi, you know, they're trying to keep him fresh. Um, they have they have a lot of talent, and you know, with Lou Will and, and 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 you know, you know what they do. You know, they were doing it before those two guys got there. Um, then you got Jermichael Green and, and guys like that, that that are solid contributors and Mo Harkless and I mean, sh- man, that that team, if they can if they can have nice momentum and everybody healthy going down the stretch, they're going to be tough to beat, man. And Doc is an experienced guy; he's been to the finals, uh, he's he's won it, you know, with that Celtics team and. That team can be scary in the playoffs coming down the stretch because you got a bunch of veterans that's been there and done that. Um, I think for the Lakers coming down the stretch, everybody's got to be healthy. They got to be playing their best basketball, and and uh, I think Rondo's got to be playing at a high level because they're going to have to. I can't see LeBron, you know, at his age, the whole year going like he's going right now. Rondo's going to have to take some of the pressure up off of him, you know, get him off the ball a little bit so so he can rest a little bit. 
you know, if, if, if they're able to manage that and keep LeBron fresh, then that's, that's a championship experience moving forward. AD doesn't have that, that experience yet. He doesn't have that going deep in the playoff experience yet. This is all new to him, all new to Kuzma. You know, so so that's something to look out for when it comes down to playoffs. Well, I don't know. I don't even know who to. I don't even know who to pick right now between those two. But they're both they're both really good teams. Do the Lakers need Andre Iguodala or Jamal Crawford? I would say Iguodala. I, I think they would need that. They need that championship. MVP finals, uh, MVP experience. They need somebody that's going to lock down defensively, even though their defense is really good. He can add to it. Um, you need somebody that's not going to panic in situations during the playoffs. He's not going to panic. Champions don't panic. That's the difference between people that win and people that don't win. Uh, champions don't panic. I saw I saw the championship poise with Houston being a part of that team. I saw the championship poise with the Lakers being a part of that team. I wasn't part of their championship team, but you still saw the poise. They still believed no matter what the situation is, we're still going to win. You know, I mean, we were down, what, 34 to Dallas in the third quarter, and we have the biggest comeback in Laker history. Why? Because we believe we're going to win the game regardless. You got to have poise. We came back with Houston. You come back down 20 from from Orlando, game one. Championship poise, man. You can't substitute that. Hmm. That's well. Scoopy ready on the line talking with Tracy Murray. Tracy, I know you and Lamont Murray are cousins because you guys have the same last name. How the heck yep. are you and Alan Houston cousins? We're, we're cousins through my dad's side. Um there's some uh, relations down down the stretch on my dad's and we're not like first or second cousins, but gotcha. a little bit a little bit further. Um it just through conversation we found this out while I was in the league, while we were both in the league. And we laughed about it. It was like, man, the world is small. You know, we were both McDonald's All Americans, didn't even know we were related. Wow. But through cousins talking to us and talking to them and you throw up names and it's like, That's my cousin. What? <laughs> you know, that's how we found out. A lot of people don't know Clint McDaniel, who who was on the national championship uh, Arkansas team. He was the two guard. He's my cousin, too. It's wow. like we have basketball pedigree in our family. It's crazy. Yeah, y'all shoot the lights out, so it makes sense, right? <laughs> and everybody I named can shoot the ball, including my brother. <laughs> it's crazy. Everybody can shoot the ball. Kevin Willis, you played with him in the NBA. I played against him for many years. I, I missed him with the Toronto trade. He was going to Denver as I was going to Toronto. But what what a physical specimen and a guy that knew how to last in the league and keep himself healthy. And you look at Kevin Willis today as a 50-something-year-old man, and this dude is still chiseled and in great shape right now. He can go get a 10-day right now. That's what type of shape he's in. Who is the modern-day Kevin Willis? Modern-day Kevin Willis. 
it's hard to say, man, because they don't utilize big fellas like that anymore. I mean, they got guys picking and diving, and if it's not a lob, they don't throw them the ball. And you know, MB is the only one they really dump it down to and say go to work. So mm. it's like I, I really can't compare these bigs to anybody that was, you know, doing their thing back then because they're not really using these kids. Who's the modern day Tracy Murray? Modern day Tracy Murray. Wow. Oh. There's so many guys. I I I I would say Clay Thompson. Because mm-hmm. Clay, I mean Clay do some the only thing I don't do that Clay does extremely well is he's he's more of a defender than I was. Um mm-hmm. but we were both masters at coming off screens. We we're both masters at pump fake one bounce dribble pull ups. We both have range on our three point shot. We're both good free throw shooters. You know, we both have a high basketball IQ on how to use our clip and when to get to the cup and finish. He can in the post, he shoots a turnaround fadeaway. I shot a turnaround fadeaway. Um we 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 are both similar players offensively. Hmm. When you look at the NBA, uh, Lionel Williamson is a guy uh, that came in with a lot of fanfare uh, during his time at Duke, during his time in high school, the social media era with him and LaMelo Ball. Uh, I know there was standing room only in their game in the summertime a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Zion will live up to that hype? I feel bad for Zion because in this social media you know, era, I feel bad with any of these kids, you know, because it's under the microscope at such an early age, and it's unfair. It's really unfair. These guys are hyped up to be the next coming before they even, you know, snip the league. Um, and it puts tremendous amount of pressure and scrutiny on these kids, and they don't deserve that yet. You know what I mean? And 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 the the reason why I would say no. To, to and I hope he does. Trust me, I'm a I'm a Zion fan, and I hope he does uh, meet that expectation. But when have you seen a guy six six, two eighty five, that jumps to the moon like he does? Remember, what goes up must come down, and when it comes down, it's twice the pounding on your body, and he's out right now. You know what I'm saying? Because of, you know, what's going on with his legs. That's That was my concern before all of this happened. My concern was all of that weight coming up, all of that weight coming down, backs, back and knees. That's what I was worried about with him, back and knees. And it was just too much weight to carry up with that frame. And that that's what worries me about him. So do you think a slimmer him, I guess my question is, say he lost a ton of weight. I'd say if he was 245, that that would be fantastic. Because, I mean, I, I, look, at, I look at Zion right now, and he reminds me a lot of Rodney Rogers. Because hmm. Rodney Rogers was able, he was a big, strong guy like that. 
you know, six seven, about two sixty five. Um, he shot it better than Zion. Zion jumped higher than he did, but they were both extremely strong and big bodies. And Rodney stopped jumping like that and and kind of grounded his game a little bit, and he was able to last as long as he lasted. But most Zion's game is mostly based on athleticism at that size. So that's what scares me about 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 his game at this point. If he can develop a jump shot and kind of ground his game a little bit and don't fly as much at that at that weight, maybe maybe he can last longer. And if kind he can like last if he can last longer then he would then 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 he would achieve you know what most of his hype is. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Because when I look at when I look at Zion, I, I see Ronnie Rogers is something I never thought of. Only because Ronnie Rogers is, was more of a spot up jumper. Uh, a, a spot yeah, up but you got to look at him when he was in college. You know, okay. that was the real Rodney Rogers playing a little bit. You know what I'm saying? He was he was able to post up. He was able to put it on the deck and score. He was he run fast break and dunk on somebody. He was a big body that flew a little bit. Not as high as Zion in the league. He kind of became a spot up, and he kind of became a, maybe a post guy a little bit. He grounded his game, which made him last through the eighty-two plus games that he was playing throughout the year. It's a, that eighty-two games is no joke. You know, it's a lot of pounding. And will you? The less weight you carry, I think the 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 best. How how long? How much longer you you'll last in the league? When I was when I was my heaviest, I was two forty-five. And I felt like my body was going to break. I had to get back down to 230, 235. Hmm. Yeah, Charles Barkley and I spoke, and he was saying the only thing he could see, I asked him if he reminded, as Zion reminded him of him, and he said no. And I said, what about Clarence Weatherspoon? He said no. He said Sean no, Kemp. Clarence Weatherspoon, now Clarence Weatherspoon reminded me of, of Barkley. Yeah. They were saying about the same size. Played in the post, you know, could jump at their size. Um, both of them were about two sixty-five, but Charles was just a different type of freak when he running the court than than Clarence was. That's real. Scoopy ready on the line with Tracy Murray. Don't want to take up too much more of your time. What are you working on now? Um, I broadcast for UCLA. Now, uh, I've been doing it for the last 11 years. I took a break in 2015, as you uh, stated earlier, with with coaching uh, with the Lakers uh, as a shooting coach. And I even had, you know, a couple scouts that year as well, you know, so I was trying to grow as a coach. I did do three years in the G League, which probably enabled me, you know, kind of kept me on their radar a little bit. Uh, so, so I had experience of that. I had experience in the WNBA with the Tulsa Shock when mm-hmm. Dallas was in Tulsa. Uh, so I've, I've done some coaching. Um, I do AAU coaching with my brother's program, Prodigy Athletics, uh, here in, in, in the local Los Angeles area, in the Inland Empire area, uh, Rancho Cucamonga area. That's where, you know, we have most of those players in in that area. We develop them, and and we we coach them. Um, other than that, man, it's just broadcasting with UCLA and paying it forward, doing some appearances here and there, and. Just uh, enjoying my family, being a dad, man. Being a dad is a, is a blast. 
You said Retro Cucamonga. I remember the first time I heard that name, it was on the uh, Friday after next week. Next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Retro Cucamonga to the heart, too, just like that. Yes, sir. Straight like that. Straight like that. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you, man, you are a wealth of knowledge. Uh, it is an honor to have you on. I remember, you know, my family ran and operated a sneaker store in Harlem, and we, I would see posters of you, posters of um, Rex Chapman, photos of or posters of Derek Coleman, and, you know, we ran a sneaker store. So, like, to see that vision board with you on the wall and then now to have that conversation with you on a podcast years later, that that's full circle for me. You know what? Well, you t- you're saying something, man, that's just awesome because, I, you know, I've never known that I was on a, a, a wall at a sneaker store. You know what I'm saying? You're telling me some stuff that – just it, it gives me goosebumps, man. Because when when you play the game, you hope people remember you. When you play the game, you play for pride, you play for respect, you play, you know, to try to build a legacy, you know, to be a champion and, and, and all of that. And to 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 hear, you know, some of the things you told me today, man, with your buddy wearing the uh, Tracy Murray jersey back then, you know. It's just something that 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 gives me chills and 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 give me a sense of kind of a, of accomplishment, man. Because when you have people to do that, they respect you as as an individual and they respected your game. And and it's an honor being on here. And thank you for having me on, man. I love to be on again whenever you have time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.